two, one. Hi everybody, happy Monday. My name is Meg and I'm here as part of the Power to Fly virtual hosting team. I am super excited, um, you know, maybe a little bit too excited for a Monday, but super excited to be chatting with all of you and getting to um, cover this amazing topic with Shira. So before I introduce you to Shira, um, I do just wanna go over a couple quick housekeeping items for y'all. Um, so as usual, um, like all of our other virtual events, today is all about you. It's all about our community members, our event attendees, and we wanna make sure that you all get as much out of today's session as we do. So um, to that end, you are more than welcome to turn your cameras on um, and come off mute if you have any questions or comments that you'd like to um, you know, kind of jump in with and participate with today. Um, don't feel the pressure to be insta-perfect or you know, super like polished or anything. We are more than happy to have you here no matter you know, if you're rocking like a four-day messy bun or joining from your couch with your dog or have kids running around in the background. We are more than happy to have you. So please feel free to do that. Um, I always really appreciate seeing maskless faces in a safe environment right now, um, just so that I you know, kind of get to see new people um, as opposed to just my dogs and my husband. So please feel free to do that. Um, if you don't want to come off mute or turn on your camera, totally fine, not a problem. Um, and just FYI for privacy reasons, if you are, um, we are recording and live streaming this session to our YouTube page and to our website. So if you don't wanna come up on the live recording, not a problem, all you have to do is make sure you don't come off mute. If you don't come off mute, you won't show up. Um, if you still wanna participate, but you don't wanna show up in the live recording, not a problem. All you have to do is put your questions or comments into the Zoom group chat. I'll be monitoring that throughout today's session. Um, if you are in like heavy black ops, deep cover, don't want anyone to know you were here ever, you can still participate. Um, just make sure that you put, if you, if you send stuff into the Zoom group chat, instead of sending it to everyone, you're gonna click that drop-down menu and select my name, Meg Powerfly. Um, and that way it'll send the message to me directly. I'll make sure that your questions or comments are raised and keep you entirely anonymous. Um, like I said, this is being recorded. So anybody that registered for today's session, whether you come for five minutes, if you stay for the full 60, or if you for some reason forgot, or this wasn't a great time for you to make it, but you wanted to watch the recording, everybody that registers for today's session will get a link um, in an email in one to two business days to rewatch this recording on our website. Um, if you do want to see it sooner, or let's say, you know, Shira drops some really amazing bomb on you and you really want to share it with your friends or your coworkers or, a, you, know, um, you know, family or anything, um, please feel free to do so. All you have to do is head over to our YouTube page. We are at Powered Fly, um, and you can grab it from there. You'll be able to share that link, um, I think, within five minutes of us ending today's session. So, um, like I said, we do have a couple different places where you can rewatch these recordings. It's always free. Um, and you, like I said about our YouTube page, you are more than welcome to keep up with us on social. We really do love it. Um, we are at Power to Fly on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and um, like I said, uh, YouTube. Oh, and Instagram too. So um, please feel free to keep up with us on our various social channels. If you subscribe to our YouTube channel, then you'll never miss um, a chat and learn or an office hours recording. So it can be really helpful. Um, let's see, as we get started, um, I do just wanna call out, um, if you are gonna come off mute to ask a question or comment, like I said, more than welcome to do so, and you're more than welcome to, in, um, to interrupt me because I get paid to fill the silence. But if you do decide to do so, try not to interrupt Shira or any one of our other attendees. Kind of use your best judgment, lag times, everything. It can be hard, but use your best judgment. And if you are gonna come off mute to comment or ask a question, Make sure that you go back on mute when you're not actively speaking. You'll see me doing this a lot throughout today's session, um, just so nobody has to listen to my bulldogs snoring under my desk. 
Um, if I do mute you, I won't do it while you're speaking, but if I do mute you, it's, it's not a rebuke. It's just to make sure our audio clarity um, remains clear for everybody and on our recording. Um, so you still are welcome to, par to participate. Just make sure you're not um, off of mute unless you are actively speaking. Um, so let's uh, dive in here and introduce you to our speaker. Um, Shira is the Senior Director of Product at Assurian. In the past 10 years, Shira created market-leading e-commerce and SaaS software as a service products in over 40 states and regulations across North America and Europe. She transitioned from a development role to product management and since then spent about 50% of her time between Israel and North America, leading amazing products and even more amazing product teams. Um, her biggest passion is identifying growth opportunities, coaching other product managers, and leading with a smile. So thank you, Shira. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here, and I'm excited to speak a little bit about my journey and give a few tips if I can. Perfect. Thank you. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add to that, um, that introduction before we move into questions? I'm just going to say that it, in 60 minutes, we're probably not going to be able to capture everything. So if you attended the session and you feel like you still have follow-up questions or you just want to share with me your personal situation or circumstances, I'm, I'm more than happy to follow up after the session and, and kind of chat one-on-one -on -one with whoever wants. That is so great. Thank you for that. Um, so I'll be sharing Shira's LinkedIn information a little bit later so that way you can connect with her if you'd like. Um, as we dive in here, I do just want to call out, I'm going to switch to our first slide of questions. So if you would like to take a screenshot here, you're more than welcome to. Because today's session is being recorded, you don't have to take notes. Like it's not a, a requirement here at all. You can always go back and, and you know, um, check out what somebody said in the rewatch or, you know, write things down from that. But some of our more type A joiners do appreciate knowing what questions we're probably going to cover in today's session. So if you'd like to take a screenshot here, please feel free. And in a couple seconds, I'll swap to our next slide. Um, the only other thing I do like to highlight here, I'm gonna to go to the next slide right now, um, is I do like to highlight that if you have a question that's maybe not on this screen right now, or if, you, um, if something occurs to you in the middle of today's session, just know that if you are present and accounted for today, you get priority. So if you have a question and you wanna make sure it gets answered, please, please, please feel free to come off mute and ask it or throw it up into the Zoom group chat. We already have a couple of people that are sending in questions um, that we'll be able to work into our existing uh, set. But you are more than welcome to direct the, uh, the direction of today's session. So please feel free to participate. Um, all right, so Shira, to start us off, this person had asked, when hiring a PM, which aspect is more important, character or experience? And there's a follow-up here about the main skills, but we'll get to that in a minute. So I think it's really individual for every recruiter because I know uh, just like in every company, the product manager suit is slightly different. Some of them also have some fancy names, but at the end, really every organization has their own needs. That's also comes up in, in the recruiting process because when I'm looking for a product manager, it's not the same as when a different manager is looking for, for a product manager. So. Um, I have, you know, a lot of qualities and skills that I could highlight as, you know, creativity and um, communication and being, you know, having a sense of ownership and prioritization. Those are a lot of important skills. But if we can jump to the next slide, I think that the, the top five things that I really appreciate when I'm looking for a product manager are kind of in between soft skills and real skills, if I could call them like that. Um, and the, the first one, and by far the top priority and the top thing that I'm looking for is passion. 
I think that a product manager has to come with that. So it's a little bit more about character and um, interest, you know, in the business area or the product itself. But if you're not coming with the passion, it's going to be a little difficult to like have other people follow you um, and have other people kind of following the success and the drive that you're trying to, to bring the product to. So passion for me would be the first one. And you can see it in the way people talk about their product. You can see it about the way they talk about their teams. You can see the way they present to clients and just overall the, the temperature they're coming to the, to the, to the room. Uh, the second thing that I'm looking for, and I think that's something that every recruiter would say they're looking for, is resourcefulness. So as a PM, during your day-to-day, you'd probably hit a few walls like 20 times a day. Um, people are you know, much more comfortable saying no than yes. People will not give you an easy pass in everything you want to do. And it could be your manager, it could be your coworkers, it could be your clients, your investors. Um, and being resourceful and being able to find a window if the door is closed or another alternative if the window doesn't exist, that's what I would expect from a PM. So when I'm looking for a product manager, I usually ask them a lot of tough questions, which are all tied into the same scenario because we're trying to find multiple ways to tackle the same thing, uh, knowing that every time there is a new constraint or a new circumstance that might change the picture. So resourcefulness, definitely something that I'm looking for in every uh, recruiter uh, or uh, director of product, head of product, VP product would look for in his team. Um, third would be communication. So communication, it's not just um, being able to present nicely. It's not about your accent. It's not about your vocabulary and how fluent you are with your the language you work. Um, communication is about uh, being able to create relationships with the people around you, being able to lead um, not just the team that is around you every day, but just being able to communicate messages, to be able to communicate messages also to your end users. So that's also a little thing that, you know, how do you even position your product? How do you even position it and, and sell it, you know, um, when, when you talk about your product? And communication is a lot of listening uh, but it also a lot of just being able to make a point without sound argumentative, without sounding, you know, like you're out for a war. It's just trying to prove a point or try to make people follow you uh, in a nice way and in, in a smooth way, uh, which directly ties into the two uh, last uh, qualities that I'm looking for, which is I level leadership. So a product manager usually doesn't manage the people on his team, right? You have a, in most teams, you have a product manager, a few developers, potentially some QA engineers, a data analyst, a designer, they're all one team. Nobody reports to anybody and each of them has their own manager. But at the end of the day, I look at the PM almost like the, the mom and dad or the mom and mom or the dad and dad of the team. Um, and I would love a PM to be able to lead the people, but at a eye level. So you're not their manager, but they still want to follow your, your vibe, follow your, the direction you're setting, and just be able to set everybody up for success in a very, very eye level way. Um, and the last thing is uh, being assertive, but with a smile. Uh, just like uh, as I said earlier, you'll hear a lot of no but you also have to say a lot of no's. 
So when it comes to prioritization and working with stakeholders and working with clients, a PM role isn't to satisfy everybody. A PM role is to set success for the product, the business, and their team. Um, so some no's will have to be you know, said once in a while, but saying no with a smile and saying no in a very personal level and be able to also lean a little bit on the relationships that I've mentioned, relationship with stakeholders, relationships with the team, makes this no feel much less painful for the other side and help you just move forward quickly from that to the next challenge. So those are the top five things that I'm looking for. At the end, if I need to go back to the question, I'm looking for a persona. And we use this word a lot when we talk about product management. I'm looking for a persona. I'm looking for a personality that has all those qualities, but also has, you know, some level of experience, not necessarily an hands-on experience, but just a life experience that kind of shows those qualities. Excellent. Thank you for that, that very um, structured approach to this. I really appreciate it. Um, we, one of the other questions that we had submitted a little bit um, after the today's session started, this person wanted to know if what you look for when you're interviewing somebody changes based on their levels of, um, you know, level of uh, expertise. So would an entry level PM, senior PM and principal PM, would those have um, maybe different skills that you're looking for? Or would it just be um, maybe a different combination or a different, uh, like a different extent that you would expect to see those skills in that particular person? A hundred percent. I think that, and I just recently hired a few junior product managers and, and looking at people that just, they don't have a few lines in their resume doesn't mean that they're not qualified for the role. Um, so I think that these top five will exist in every seniority level, um, just with other ways to give the examples of how am I a resourceful person or how do I have like a good communications or in the interview itself, I'll try to um, to find the scenarios where I can see a little sense of leadership or, or a lot of passion. The, on the passion side, I will not compromise. Um, but as, as senior the role is, I will be looking for examples from their past experience. We'll look for, you know, we'll ask people to tell me about their baby product. Like the one thing that they did in their career that they're most excited about. I would ask people to tell me about, um, a challenging product that they had. So definitely um, depends on how senior the role is. I will look for a little bit more examples than just persona, um, but I will not compromise on the personality for sure. Excellent, thank you for covering that for us. Um, okay, so in our next question, this person had asked, can you share some ideas for practical tasks we can ask a candidate to share with us during a process? How can a PM's actual skills be tested in a home task or during the interview? And what do you think of home assignments? So I, I think that it really depends on the, the type of company and what's the product you're trying to create. Because um, home assignments, they have some good things in them, but they could also be really tricky. So I'll, I'll kind of start by what is not a home assignment. A home assignment to me is not something you sit and do all day long. You invest a lot of time in it. And at the end of the day, it could potentially become a company backlog. That's not a home assignment to me. Um, and a home assignment to me has to show two things. It has to cover the product sense and the product execution uh, skills of that product manager. Um, and it's 
really, really um, depends on what are we trying to find um, if, and at what stage the home assignment is. Because sometimes I would decide to start with a home assignment and that would be more, for, for example, for junior level roles where their CV is not telling me what their experience could look like. So I'm trying to kind of do a hands-on real assignment to see the product sense mostly um, and see the creativity and see how people really respond to situation. And when we're talking about some practical tasks or what this home assignment could contain, I really look at it as a day in our life. So think about the last time if you're a PM or even if you're not a product manager, maybe if you're a QA engineer or if you're a data analyst and you sit with the product manager and you have a dialogue and you have a discussion, you have some things you're covering. You're covering data, you're covering results, you're covering maybe user reactions, you're covering potential hypothesis or how are we going to roll this out to production? Those kind of questions come up every day. No matter what your role is today, if you're part of a team that delivers a product, you'll be part of those questions. I'm trying to make those home assignments capture those kind of day-to-day -day interactions. And I have to say lately during the Zoom era and COVID and, and the fact that people in order to show up for an interview, they don't really have to step into an, a, a brick and mortar office. Sometimes I just take that home assignment and make it an on-site assignment. So it's more of like, um, real-time assignment. I would send the, 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 um, the candidate the assignment, let them think about their bullet points, think about their directions for 45 or one hour, 45 minutes, one hour, and then we're just going to talk about it. So no slides involved or no really fancy um, uh, flow charts and things like that, but just to be able to determine if that candidate has the relevant product sense we're looking for. And again, it's not the same. It's not one size fit all. The product managers that I'll hire probably are not the type of product managers that a cyber company per se would, would look for. So it really depends on the role you're, you're trying to interview for. And when it comes to product execution, so people with more experience will probably know how to handle a team, how to drive, you know, uh, specifications into user stories and kind of make a concept a reality on a, you know, the, the structure of the cycle. Um, but even if you're not a senior PM, even if you still don't have enough experience on the product execution side, common sense is a start of product execution, being able to prioritize and identify um, the areas you'd want to invest in is also some of the things I'd cover in home assignments. So to wrap things up, I would say that I'm in favor of home assignments, just not necessarily at home and definitely not the ones that are too time consuming and are just a hassle. I think a lot of people appreciate that where it's like if you're doing something with a purpose and you can see why they want you to test these skills or they want you to do this assignment, there's a lot, I feel like there's a lot less frustration involved and feeling like you might be wasting your time because most people don't just apply at one company, right? They apply it a lot. So there might be multiple assignments that they're looking at having to do depending on, you know, kind of feedback or the, the action that they're seeing in their job search. Yeah, for sure. And I, I would say that the ideal is up to two hours to me that people would invest in that exercise. And I also want to say that in 99% of the cases, I will schedule a follow-up meeting no matter what the exercise outcome was, because I feel like sometimes when you present 
the directions you're taking as a PM, sometimes just a communication aspect could reveal a lot on that candidate. So I really want to invest the time and the opportunity for those candidates to share their directions and product sense and product executions on slides, but also verbally and just have a dialogue almost like it's another day at the office and we're on the same team. I love that approach. Um, now, I know you can only really answer for yourself, but do you have any sense if that's a, a very common thing within, you know, within your, your field or your, your uh, position? So I have spoken to a few friends of mine that are also currently actively looking for uh, to extend their teams. And I know that there are a lot of approaches, different approaches on what a home assignment should be. I also know that some of the really, really fresh startups sometimes take those home assignments as like their creation of backlog. So I'm less on that on that side and I don't encourage that. Um, and I, I wanna just give a, like a, a, an advice to the candidates. I know, again, it's time consuming. And if you're actively looking for a job, you might face, as Meg said, like 10 different home assignments. Prioritize those by the area of product that you're most passionate about, because that's where the home assignment will be the easiest for you. And you'll find your creativity, you'll find your sense, you'll find everything you need in less time. So don't really try to push it with exercises that you just don't connect to because those are the just a you know a little glimpse of what the role might be. And and that gets, says also a lot about the company. Yeah, I completely agree. Thank you for sharing that. Um, okay, so moving on to this next question, this person had wanted to know what advice would you have for someone looking to make a career change into product management with no previous hands-on experience? Can you share any insights or tips on searching for your first PM role? I'd love to. So I'd love to share with you a little bit of how I started. Um, when I joined the, the Israeli military, everybody here in Israel, 18 year old, we sign up to the military uh, volunteering and they don't really ask you what you want to do. They, they kind of tell you what you're gonna do in the next couple, uh, couple of years. And I was assigned to be a developer. And the first thing I told them is like, are you nuts? I'm not a developer. I've never written any scripts. I actually don't really like computers and I think you're wrong. Um, that's how I started my career. I spent two, hours, two years writing code and then a few additional years after the military service thinking that's what I'm going to do. That's my career. Um, but then I realized that I'm the kind of person who actually runs around the hallways most of my time, most of my day, instead of sitting and writing the code and trying to look for answers and look for problems and just doing everything I need to, I, everything I can do, just not my job. And that's how I realized that I really want to transition into the product management world. And I know there are a lot of people in different roles, QA engineers, data analysts, designers, marketing people that really want to transition into that world or people like I was a developer. Um, so an advice, or at least what I did back then. First of all, there are a lot of ways that you can start just in expanding your horizon, expanding your knowledge. It's, um, uh, there are mentorship programs, just like Power to Fly. There is a, an opportunity to grow within the company you're currently working at. So there is a huge advantage for people that are already familiar with the product 
even if it's not from the perspective of the product manager, but they're familiar, familiar with the business, familiar with the customers, familiar with the challenges. So there is an advantage there to try and grow within that company. And I know a lot of companies encourage that. And, and also when I'm looking for people, I would usually start looking for from internal, you know, from in, within the company. And just recently I had a great dialogue for, with one of our salespeople that shared with me that she has so many ideas, she can't sleep at night. And that's the, you know, that's the first step into product management. So, so don't, don't um, hold yourself from kind of putting yourself out there, making the product people in the company knows you're interested and passionate about that. Um, but again, when, when I'm looking at how to start my, at least my, you know, personal thing that I really care about is just choosing a product or an industry that I'm passionate about. A good product manager is someone that could think from the user perspective, from the client perspective, from, you know, and, and sit in, around the table on a family dinner and just talk about the products you're working on with tons of passion. And, and that will not happen if you choose a product that you just got the job, but you're not really connecting to it because it's not gonna um, really trigger your creativity. And when, when uh, the question also asked about examples of how to start or how I started. So I have to share a personal story. Um, many years ago, like almost nine years ago, um, I took a vacation with my husband and we flew to Georgia, Georgia in, in Europe. And it was an early stage of the, the traveling to Georgia. Not a lot of Israelis flew to Georgia. So when we were Googling some, you know, trails and materials and programs, so what can I do there? There was almost no results at all. Um, unless I really dived into and maybe try to learn a little bit of Georgian and, and, and maybe read the, in the native language. Um, so it was really difficult for me to plan a good trip. And as we were there during the trip, I realized, well, that's a problem. And product manager loves to solve problems. And then that's where I came up the second day of the trip. I came up with an idea. Well, if there are no references online in Hebrew, and again, I'm, I'm focusing and narrowing my audience. Again, one thing that a product manager would normally do, identify the problem and the audience that is suffering from that problem. And I decided on the second day of the trip, that when I get back to Israel, when I get back home, I'm going to start a, a little blog website. I didn't, I wasn't really sure what it's going to be that solves that problem. And I decided that it's going to be directed to couples who want to fly to Georgia. And I, I kind of collected all the materials and the business cards and the hotel of the names. I actually did all the, if I'm comparing it today to what a product manager would do. I did the infrastructure. I started collecting the data that I needed. And I, I started doing user interviews with my husband, understanding, well, what could be a really good thing to put out there for other people to leverage? When I got back home, that became my first product. Um, and that's when I decided that I'm gonna build the website using Wix, you know, the really simple, nothing fancy, no scripts involved, but a lot of PM work thinking who's going to use it, thinking how often they're going to use it, why they're going to use it, what kind of value are they going to get from it. And I was really passionate about building that website. I was even more passionate when I saw that I had like 2000 daily active users on that website. And that was to, for me, a great hands-on experience for someone who still didn't really had a real product to deal with on my day-to-day. 
So my, my takeaway for you here is um, you have problems around you every day. It's not necessarily in your work environment. It could be in your home environment, with your dog, with your kids. Think about those problems and try to think about solutions and then take those into a framework of product management and try to solve them within that framework. Excellent, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I think you're right, it's, it's really great that you had that, um, you know, kind of that, uh, that story, that personal story to share with us. It really kind of highlights how, how personal a lot of these answers can be and, and that, that example can really help illustrate it for a lot of people. So thank you for that. Um, all right, so this person had asked, can you talk about the gender gap within product management? Is there anything I should be wary about if I'm coming from a background that is largely female dominated and moving into a male dominated industry? I love those questions. I love those questions because we're in a high tech environment, right? And it's, it's not a secret, you know, in a high tech environment, probably 20% of the people are female and, um, and for, for many of you, you probably sat in, an, in a meeting um, and you were the only female in the room, or maybe if you're a male joining our call, then you were in a meeting and there was maybe one to no women in the room. And it's not that it's important if it's a male or a female, but it's important that it's diverse and that you have a lot of opinions and a lot of perspectives. Um, and the one thing I love about product management is that unlike all the other roles like developers and, and data analysts, where you have really um, under, um, representative, uh, underrepresented female uh, presence. With product management worldwide, it's 40% female and specifically in the US it's 50%. So we're even and we're 50-50 and it's great. The reason I'm saying that with a big smile is because I think that really each product could use the different perspective. And I'd love to see more and more women come into the industry and fit into those roles and be able to lead a team with a smile um, and be able to really great, uh, create successful products. So if you're coming from a male dominant environment or a female dominant environment, don't be hesitant if you're trying to transition into a product management role because that role couldn't care less about your gender. Awesome. Thank you so much for, for highlighting that. I think a lot of times we hear a lot of um, kind of warning things about like, well, think, you know, keep your eyes out for this or that. Um, but you're right. I think it's more, it's not necessarily most important that, you know, if, if the industry is male or female dominated, but more that you have that, that representative um, diversity within the team. So that way it's not just all one point of view um, kind of handling things. For sure. All right, um, so I just wanna highlight here, guys, we do only have um, less than 30 minutes left in today's, um, today's session. So if you do have questions, please, please make sure that you um, get them put in um, and submitted either, uh, either come off mute and ask them, or please feel free to put them into the Zoom group chat. Um, so this person had asked, uh, had written in saying, I'm a technical program manager. How can I switch to PM outside of my company? So that leads me um, back to what I mentioned earlier. I look at product manager as a title, which is a suit that every organization will just tailor differently. So in some organizations, it will be more on the marketing side. And in some organization, it will be really technical. On some organization, it's gonna be customer facing and some will be inbound. So I would say that almost every role you're trying to transition from will have a set of skill set 
that is relevant to PM. And we're going to touch it, a, touch it a little later in the session, how those skills that come into place um, and, and become reality in a product manager role. But specifically for the person who asked this question, I would say that if you're trying to um, transition outside your company, I would suggest to try and find the, the things that makes you a good candidate. If, it, if your edge is the industry experience, that's a huge edge for a product manager. If you're coming from the, from, with the experience about the industry and not necessarily the hands-on. I don't wanna underestimate hands-on of product manager, but I think this thing could be taught, could be learned. Um, and you could learn how to run a daily stand-up meeting and how to write a user story. And a lot of courses and programs teach that. And you can find it online everywhere. And if you have a good mentor, they can walk you through that in a, a month. And you can pick up those, those processes. But the, the industry is your edge. The leading a team, a, pro, a technical program manager has a lot of organization and team and staying up to speed. And those are qualities that a product manager need. So I would say if I was in your shoes, try to find connections in companies you love. Try to find people that would let you in um, because of that experience you're bringing from the industry or because of that experience you're bringing from your current role. Also, I would say that when you, um, and we're gonna also talk about it a little later, but when you write your resume, highlight the things you do as a program manager that are relevant to a product manager role. And if you're not sure what those are, have a chat with your mentor, have a chat with a friend that is in the industry as a product manager and let them help you find those little nuances in what you describe as your role today that fits perfectly into one of those PM suits that I mentioned. Excellent, thank you for that. Um, let's see, we are having a couple questions in the chat, so I'll try and flag those up um, as we get closer to those uh, topics. Um, let's see, Justine had asked, what courses would you recommend for PMP and what courses are good for networking? So for networking, uh, there are multiple circles. You can find networking within your community. So local communities of PMs, and there are a lot of those. Um, there are more global communities like Power to Fly or uh, uh, communities that are specific for product, like Product Lead and Product Tank. Um, and you can follow those communities and see all those highlights. I know there are a lot of great workshops there. I participated in some of them. I led some of them. So those are, those are uh, workshops and, and lectures that helps you extend your knowledge. But if you're really starting from the basics, I would say that you can find, um, you know, the, the 101 uh, frameworks or, of Scrum and 101 frameworks of user stories and how to build a product. So many references, and I'd love to share some of those references if you're looking for uh, after the chat, feel free to reach out to me and I, I'll share with you my list. Um, so, so that's how I would say to, that I encourage people to start. And again, I had a mentor when I started, it wasn't necessarily a product manager mentor. Cause back then the product manager wasn't really a thing until they realized it's a thing I'm talking about 10 years ago. Um, but, but a, a mentor that just could hold your hand and kind of be there as another set of eyes, um, and, uh, and another, you know, another friend along the way. Excellent. Okay. 
Um, so this person had asked, how important is previous experience in the company's specific domain when considering a candidate for a PM position? Which is the best way for a PM candidate to present their skills and experience when both don't exactly match the new role expectations? So I'll talk first of all about my personal journey. I started in a B2B company. I've my day was around meeting with clients, finding their requirements, mapping those requirements into specifications, really like a, a flow that doesn't really, doesn't necessarily encourage some of the other aspects of product managers. So started with B2B, but then my second role wasn't really B2B and wasn't at all close to that industry. And I transitioned into B2B2C in a completely different environment, more of an iGaming and e-commerce environment. But now today, uh, when I transitioned to my current role as a senior director of product at Saludo, which is a company uh, here in Israel that is owned by Assurian, an American corporate, I'm now, I'm now in, the, in, in the digital insurance and connected devices, connected home space, completely different industries. So I would say that the, the company specific domain is almost irrelevant, at least not as relevant as your passion to what the company is doing. Um, and then the best way to, I'm, I'm reading the second half of the question, the best way to, for a PM candidate to present their skills and experience when both don't exactly match the new role expectations. Um, so as I said before, if, if you're doing something today, it has to fall somewhere within that category. A PM is doing a lot of things and it's only how you position your skills and how you really put them into place when it comes to the day-to-day -day experience of a PM. Um, it's really hard to talk about it in a general way. I think that it's on a case by case um, and be able to see how far they are. So for example, if your experience is uh, as a dancer and you've never touched a computer in your life, that would be slightly difficult to map into the job requ uh, requirements of a PM. But I'm sure none of the people on this call are in that situation. So I'd love to catch up with the person who asked that question after the chat and kind of help them through through that question. Okay, so this next person had asked a question that kind of goes along with this. Um, when applying to a B2B company, having only B2C experience, which items should we highlight? And what about the, you know, kind of the reverse moving from um, B2C to B2B? Great, that, that's a great question. Cause again, a product manager is a product manager. It should be really irrelevant what the product they're working on in terms of what they need to bring to the table. So in the second, the next slide, Meg, I actually try to capture some of the things that are applicable when you're transitioning from a B2B and you acquire the skill set that is mostly happening and kind of relevant to B2B and you want to transition into B2C. And the same when you want to transition from the B2C to B2B. So I'll start with the red circle. If I'm a, currently a product manager or not even a product manager, but I'm more on the B2B side of the, the industry. I could be an account manager. I could be customer success. Um, but I do have some aspects of my role today, such as working with data, um, which is on both circles, if you take a close look. Uh, business objectives. So if you're working on a B2B environment and in an industry, you have business objectives to achieve. You're kind of 
obligated to achieve those. You're uh, liable for those business objectives. You're working with clients that you need to deliver. So business objective is something that is leading you, but it also really, really applicable on the B2C side of things because as the PM of a B2C product, you have goals, you set your KPIs, you set your targets for the quarter and the year. So that, those things I would suggest to highlight. Uh, innovation and A-B tests. A B2C product is all about doing that, all about being able to think about additional solutions, try versions, and with a B2B environment, we actually do a lot of those things because B2B product has to bring something new to those clients that are using them. You can't just be the same old thing, right? So the innovation there and being able to have a dialogue with your clients that talks about innovation is really applicable also on the B2C product. And the last two things that I would say that a B2B product manager do every day, does every day, is user segmentation. So you're working on a product that is relevant for businesses, but in those businesses, not everybody uses this product the same. There's finance, there's marketing, there's legal department, maybe there are engineers of all different types that are using your product. So you as a product manager in a B2B product really works around user segmentation and that's really applicable also in the B2C domain. Um, and competitor analysis, B2C, there are so many competitors and your potential application is just another application in the, the uh, app store and your website is another e-commerce website like uh, 2000 other websites. So being able to do the competitor analysis, not just when you're competing on a B2B contract, but also when you're working on a B2C product. So those are five things that I would say if you have those today as a B2B pr uh, product manager, you could definitely leverage those and highlight those uh, when you're applying for B2C roles. When we're looking on vice versa and from a B2C world to B2B, working with data is still there. It's not going anywhere. You're going to look at the numbers. You're going to look at dashboards and analysis all day long. And I have to say with B2C even more often. Um, and uh, then it comes into what am I doing today as a B2C product manager. So I actually, when I joined Saludo, the current company I work for, I really, really leaned heavily on B2C aspects of the role. Really a lot of user interviews and users talking to real people, but those real people that you're talking to in a B2B world could be real customers and clients you're talking to and gathering their thoughts and trying to pick their brain and what they're thinking of when they think about the product. So user interviews and client interviews, super similar. Um, the pace. A product manager that brings the high pace into the role is really appreciated when it comes to B2B uh, products as well. Prioritization, the ability to identify where you really put your eggs in and which basket do you put your eggs in, where do you really lean heavily, what do you prioritize, helps you when you go into the B2B world as well. But I have to say, if we're being really honest today on this call, with B2B, it's gonna be more difficult to prioritize because it's not just you and your product. There are more stakeholders, there are clients and other people that are involved, but you're already coming with a really good skill of prioritization from B2C that in most cases is gonna be based on qualitative and quantitative data. So take that and try to leverage it also with B2B. And then user empathy. And that's really important where you are a B2C product. You put your user first. You do products that are good for your users. You want users to 
get value out of your product. Think about it in the same light also for clients uh, when you're working on B2B products. So if you're doing some of these things today, those could be applicable for either industry and I suggest you highlight those. Thank you for that checklist. That's really, really helpful. Thank you so much for kind of drilling down and, and making those, uh, those specific points for us here. Um, so just to call out guys, we do only have 15 minutes left in today's chat. So make sure that you get your questions asked before we run out of time for today. Um, this person had wanted to know which is the most common mistake made by candidates and what makes the difference between two shortlisted but very good candidates? Perfect. So we have a slide for that too. <laughs> and I have to say recently as my company is growing, I felt like I'm almost on speed dating. So I interviewed sometimes three times a day. And uh, I'm sure that all of you as candidates are prepping for the interview, but don't forget as the person who are interviewing, we're prepping for that as well. We're not just showing up on a Zoom call, not knowing anything about you. We, we know about you. We asked the, the peers that maybe interviewed you before we did what they thought, what are the, the highlights, what are your pros, what are your uh, opportunities for improvement? So we also prep for that. So, um, come knowing that you're not just starting from fresh and, and the person in front of you does not know who you are. Um, some of the common mistakes that I identified lately. So first of all, I identify that people um, fear asking questions. They are kind of, they hear a question, they don't ask a clarifying question um, around that and they just shoot an answer. Sometimes that answer isn't necessarily what I was looking for and, you know, we sometimes we interview and it could be a global company. So sometimes it's not a native language. And I really encourage you to ask clarifying questions to make sure you're answering to the point, uh, which leads me to the second bullet, which is lack of passion. So I love asking people about um, tell me about uh, if, if they have the relevant experience. Tell me about a product you did and you absolutely loved it. Or tell me about a project you were part of and you were absolutely excited about it. When I already put them in that space where it has to be the most, the highlight, the peak of their career, and they talk about it with a little, uh, very little passion, that's a red flag to me. So even if you, even if you left the previous role in bed terms, or even if you're just a little bit disappointed from what you're doing today and it's not necessarily meeting your expectations. When you're coming to an interview, don't let the interviewer see that. Show that you have the passion, or at least if you're coming to interview with me, show that on like a 200%. <laughs> um, and then long answers um, and meaningless percentage and too many buzzwords. So I've met, I've met with a lot of um, product managers that interviewed with us and they were like, yeah, so we did the acquisition and the retention and then the customers were $2 billion and the percentage was on 50%. And I didn't understand anything. And I, I really encourage you to focus the answers to what are you trying to, what's the message you're trying to send? Are you trying to send a message that you're creative? Are you trying to send a message that you work really good with a team? Are you trying to send a message that you could take a really big project end to end? Because the result, the business result, as far as I'm concerned, that could be a result driven by a, a really good investment or results driven by COVID. 
You know, if you look at e-commerce numbers lately, they skyrocketed. Is that because the product manager is good or just because of circumstances in the world? So those numbers and results have to be tied to your actions as product managers. Tell me what you did to make those numbers happen. And read your interviewer. When you see your interviewer making a, and now with Zoom, it's super easy. We are face to face and uh, right. Body language is less on the, the, the window here on Zoom, but you can see where your interviewer does not understand you to the extent you want them to. So stop, ask clarifying questions, potentially maybe even put a period at the sentence and, and let them continue the dialogue. Hi, uh, my name is Sean. I just had a follow-up question to some of the great things you're sharing with us, uh, Shiro, and great presentation, by the way. Uh, you mentioned um, fear of asking clarifying questions, and that's one of the fears I have when I go for interviews. And a couple of reasons why, and why, and maybe you can help uh, help help me and others who are experiencing this get through this. One is some of the interviewers come across very intense. You have thirty minutes to cover a lot for them to uh, make a decision whether to move forward with you or not. And in that time frame, if you want to ask a clarifying question, I sometimes get the feeling you may come across to say it very bluntly, dumb or stupid. So I sometimes uh, avoid that. And if it's a Zoom meeting and I can read their facial expressions, I hold off doing that. What are your suggestions or tips to ask that question especially you, when you're interviewing with someone who's very intense and you're also limited for the in the amount of time you have to ask questions and get everything across to them in hopes of making it now to the next round of the interview. Thank you. That's a, that's a great question. I think that um, one of the things that I'll suggest is first of all, know when you come to an interview, know that the person interviewing you wants your success. They're looking for a PM. They're looking to extend their team. They're not looking to meet people and say they're dumb or stupid. So they want your success, even if they don't come across as people who are looking for your success. Some people um, are, it's really difficult for some people to be the interviewer. You know, they're not feeling comfortable. They're feeling more comfortable in the peer environment and just being able to communicate on a day-to-day -day level. But when it's an interview, it suddenly becomes so serious. So they sometimes also put on a mask that you don't know that as the, as the interviewer. As the, sorry, as the person interviewing for the role. The second thing that I would say is that I actually think that even if you're short on time, clarifying questions are highly appreciated. The reason they're appreciated is because in real life, when you're a PM, it's never, I asked a question, I got an answer, and that's it. The team will always ask clarifying questions. They are always gonna try to kind of scrap another layer from that question. And if you're not asking those clarifying questions, not only that you might get the answer wrong, you might also come across as a little bit know-it-all or maybe come across as someone who didn't think it through. So I suggest not, like don't ask a clarifying question for questions that you clearly understand what they want. But if you have a little bit of a doubt, even if you're short on times, don't think or don't hesitate that it might come across as stupid but actually come across as a good collaboration, as someone that I might be interested in working with, someone that actually put some thought before he answers. And those qualities are appreciated among product managers because we never work along, alone. We always work 
2017. Thank you, Sean, for that question. That was so great. Thank you. Thank you, Shira. All right. Um, so we have about eight minutes left in today's session. I'll try and keep moving through our questions so that we can get answers to all of your questions. Um, but please, please, if you have a question like Sean's or you know, if you have a question that you want an answer to, please feel free to come off mute and ask it. Um, I'll hold for, for um, another question after we get through this next one. Um, so this next person had asked, how do you perceive candidates with a non-technical background or non-traditional background as a hiring manager? So it really depends on the role specifically. If I'm looking for a product manager that his essence is around APIs and integrations and the product is really hardcore technical, then in, in those specific areas, that would be a disadvantage. But, a big but, um, most roles aren't like that. So if, if you're coming with any sort of background, and I, I know that on my team today, you know, the people I work with on a daily basis, some of them has a degree in economics, some of them has a degree in psychology, some of them has, some of them don't have a degree. And some of them are coming from a, like a, a more artistic background, and some are more from a financial background. So completely, completely open to every type of background that you bring to the table. Um, always goes back to the first part of our session because the personality sometimes overcome um, the experience that you bring and the background to, that you bring. So try to make sure that you are in your, in your brain, in your head, you're a good fit for the role. Because if you do believe that you're a good fit for the role, the background and the technical background specifically is not going to hold you back. Awesome. Thank you for calling that out. Um, I know it can be kind of already intimidating if you don't feel like you come from the same background as everybody else. So thank you for calling that out. Um, all right. So this next person wanted to know, oh, I, that's right. I promised I was going to hold some, some time here. Um, so please feel free to come off mute if you would like to ask your question now. Um, and if not, then we will move on to our next uh, pre-submitted question. No? Okay. Um, this next person had wanted to know, how can I identify the atmosphere in the company and the relationships between products and other teams before I actually get into the company? Um, great question. And I encourage people not to join a new company unless you know everything about it. So if we move to the next slide, I kind of... Uh, um, thought about a few things that I would encourage you to do before you join. So first of all, in an interview, when you meet a lot of different people from that same same company, because usually a hiring process isn't just one interview and you're in. You meet a lot of different people in different levels and different roles. So I would say ask questions during the interview. Ask them about their processes. Ask them about their team structure. Be curious about their biggest challenges. That will give you a really good perspective on the day-to-day -day and what they're dealing with. And also, um, talking about passion, will give you a good indication of if those people are excited about what they're doing on the day-to-day -day and if they're passionate about their role and their job. And, and I think just like they're interviewing you, you're interviewing them and they allocate a few minutes at the end for you to ask questions. So come prepare with questions that will help you understand what it's like to work for company X. Um, another thing that I would suggest is take a close look at social media of the company. So I know in most cases, there is someone who is kind of maintaining those social media pages and uploading posts, but look at the content of what they're uploading. 
if they're doing fun hackathons, if they're focusing on the team when they're uploading or just on business success and business results, if they're focusing on how they help the community around them or what they do just aside from business. Um, that gives a really good indication about the character of the company. So I encourage you to kind of be a little stalker on LinkedIn and Facebook and uh, if, if uh, Instagram um, and, and take a look at those company social media pages and friends connections. I don't know how it's in every place in the world, but I can say that here at least in Israel, you always have like a, someone who knows someone. And, and in that case, and I think with LinkedIn, it's the same everywhere, but uh, try to find friends that have friends who work in that company um, and try to find the connections to those companies and have a really one-on-one -on -one objective conversation on why they like working there and why they don't, or maybe what would be the biggest challenges you would face uh, joining that team. So don't be hesitant reaching out to them. Awesome. All right. So in a couple of minutes that we do have left here, um, we're trying to get to one more question. Um, this person had asked, which is the best way to introduce ourselves and get our foot in the door through our resumes in that will, in a way that will give you an in interview? Perfect question. Um, so the next slide actually talks about how you should treat your CV as if it was, it was your product. So you're working on your resume and trying to put in one page who you are and what you bring to the table. So I suggest to keep it short and to the point and make sure that the things that you're highlighting are not a really long and endless story about who you are and what you did is really, really helping the, some, the person. And in most cases, that would be an HR person who's reviewing and doing the screening um, as the first stage just understand what you bring to the table in 30 seconds. So that means that your CV really needs to be to the point. Prioritize the sections. So even if you went to a really good Ivy League school, it's not necessarily the first thing people are looking for when they're hiring a PM. So I would say experience and relevant experience comes first and then try to understand, kind of build the other sections around it. Um, and one size does not fit all. It means that if you're applying to different roles or a different type of product management, and again, I said there are like product owner, product manager, senior product manager, marketing product, so many different roles. But if you find yourself as a good candidate for all of them, make sure that your resume reflects that slightly differently. I'm not saying invent a whole new resume for every role because you're the same person after all, but try to position the things that you did to be really applicable for that specific role. So you might have multiple versions of a CV, but all of them reflect who you are. Um, last two things I would say, avoid the fluff. A lot of people like to make their resume unique, different, but when you add so much fluff, um, sometimes it loses the, the actual point. So um, make yourself unique, stand out, but make sure it's, it's with the content and not necessarily with the fluff. And highlight your unique selling point. Again, told you to look at your CV as your product. When you're selling a product, it has to have a few unique selling points. Why is my product better than others? Why is my product amazing? Um, highlight your unique selling points. Why are you amazing as a personality, as a, an experienced PM, just as someone to work with? Very great. Thank you so much. Um, the session always seems to go too quickly. So I know we are at the end of time for today. Um, is there anything, Shira, that you would like to leave our audience with before we end today's session? 
Um, I would say that a PM role is not an easy one, but it's the most fulfilling one. I love being a PM. I love waking up every morning, working with my team, working with the developers as well with the other product managers and really, really driving the company's success by just being hands-on and doing great product, delivering great products. Um, uh, the one thing I want to leave you with is that don't give up on the opportunity, even if it's hard to get your first role, because once you get it, it's going to be super, super fulfilling. And uh, find those mentors. There, there are so many people. I don't know one product manager that isn't excited helping others um, and isn't excited sharing their experience and kind of holding your hand along the way. So do that. Find your, your mentors around everywhere in the network. Awesome. Thank you so much for that, Shira. Um, thank you for spending your time with us today. We really appreciate it. And thank you so much to all of our lovely community members um, that joined on, in on today's session, everyone that submitted questions prior to today's session, as well as during the chat, um, anybody that came off mute, thank you so much. Um, the participation is really lovely and it makes these sessions even more fun for me. Um, so thank you to everyone who joined. Like I said, um, you, you can check out the links that I put in the chat. Uh, everybody will be getting a link to this or an email with a link to this recording um, in the next one to two business days, but you can also check it out on our, our YouTube channel even sooner. Um, I hope that you all will join us for some of our amazing chats that we have upcoming um, in the next week. We've got um, a chat about leveraging your personal network. We've got another one tomorrow about um, how you can kind of live your dream life and, and achieve your dream goals. There's also a chat on Wednesday about breaking into UX and landing your first role as a UX designer. So please join us for some of those. And I hope to see many of you around on upcoming um, virtual events. Thanks so much. Have a good Monday. Thank you.